Nalhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina Man yahdihillahu falamudillala wa man yudlil falahadiyala Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika la وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار We continue with the explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam An-Nawi rahimahullah. And we're still covering Al-Hadith Al-Thamin, the 8th hadith. And we arrive to the statement, وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ And that they testify that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the messenger of Allah. This testimony that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the messenger of Allah, it has matters that are connected to it, just like the testimony of La ilaha illallah has matters connected to it. For the testimony, that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the messenger of Allah it is not just a testimony that a person makes verbally and then there's nothing to follow it or nothing that comes along with it the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is truly the messenger of Allah rather his last messenger to all of mankind and the last messenger to all of the jinn. And there will be no messenger to come after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ And indeed you, 
And you, O Muhammad, you are upon exalted character. Allah has praised the character of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this means that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the example for the people, for all people. Being that he is the last Prophet and Messenger, as Allah mentions, مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ خَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّينَ the Muhammad وسلم, he is not the father of anyone from amongst you men meaning he is not the biological father even though he is like a father from the aspect of teaching and cultivating like a father would do for his child but he is not the biological father of anyone from amongst you men however he is the messenger of Allah in the seal of the prophets so that's it no more is coming after him as Allah describes him Khatim and Nabiyin and the scholars they mention that he is described as Khatim and Nabiyin the seal of the prophets and this description covers both prophets and messengers because every messenger is a prophet but not every prophet is a messenger so Allah is saying that he is the seal of the prophets then this covers both prophets and messengers so there is no more there are no more prophets coming and there are no more messengers coming as for the return of Isa alayhi salam then Isa alayhi salam will return as a follower of the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and not coming with a new message, a new book, new rules and regulations that go against the Quran and the Sunnah or abrogate that which is in the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, Inna arsalnaka shahidan wa mubashiran wa nadira. Indeed, we have sent you as a witness a giver of glad tidings and a warner. These are the jobs and the duties and the responsibilities of the Prophet ﷺ that he is a witness over the people and that Allah's message has reached the people and he is a giver of glad tidings that paradise is for the people of Tawheed and he is a warner that the hellfire or jahannam is for the people who die upon ashrq billah so for this we must observe certain mannerisms as it relates to the prophet first and foremost we must understand that he is the one that allah sent to guide the people to the path of Allah or upon the path of Allah. Allah Azawajal mentions, Innaka Latahdi ila Siratim Mustaqi. Indeed, you, O Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you guide to a straight path. So when we say Ashadu Anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, I bear witness that Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the Messenger of Allah 
we are testifying that he is the guide. He is the teacher. He is the example. Indeed, you have a beautiful example in the Messenger of Allah. So we follow him. We don't just say he's the guide and then we don't follow his guidance. No, we follow, we say he is the guide, he's the teacher, and we follow his guidance. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And the best guidance is the guidance of Muhammad sallallahu There's no one whose guidance is better than the Prophet's guidance. If a person believes that someone else his guidance is better than the guidance of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu then this person has disbelieved in that which Allah has mentioned and he has disbelieved in that which the Prophet sallallahu has mentioned. Allah he mentions Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu la tuqaddimu bayna yadayillahi wa rasooli O oh, you who believe, do not put yourself forward before Allah and His Messenger. So this means that it is upon an individual to follow the word of Allah, to follow the word of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But you find, unfortunately, as it relates to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Some have fallen into extremism and some have fallen into negligence. You find in the text where it is mentioned along with the testimony that Prophet Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah that we testify that he is the servant of Allah and his messenger. You find Ashadu Anna Muhammad Abduhu wa Rasulu. I bear witness that Muhammad is the servant of Allah and his messenger. Why the mentioning of Abduhu along with Rasulu, because this is cultivating us upon staying away from extremism and staying away from negligence. There is a benefit from the speech of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala and this is a very important point that has been mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah he states Deenullah wasatun bayna al-ghali fihi wal-jafi anhu that the religion of Allah is in the middle between the one who is extreme as it relates to the religion and between the one who is negligent when it comes to practicing the religion. Wallahu ta'ala, ma amara ibadahu bi amrin illa i'atarada ash shaytan fihi bi amrain. 
la yubali bi ayyihima dhafar and allah has not commanded his servants with the command except that the shaitan interjects into this command two matters and he doesn't care which one of them takes place imma ifratun fihi wa imma tafritu anhu tafritu fi either the shaitan he interjects into the matter extremism or negligence extremism or negligence another statement of shaykh al-islam ibn taymiyyah rahimahullah fa inna shaytan qasduhu an yuharrifa al-khalq an al-sirat al-mustaqeem la yubali ila ayy shaqqain saru indeed the shaytan his intention is to deviate the creation away from the straight path and he does not care which one of the two sides that they fall into what are the two sides extremism and negligence so when we find in the text ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his servant and his messenger. These two things are in place to protect us from falling into one of those two sides, whether extremism or negligence. So when we testify that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the servant of Allah, then this is the protection from extremism that we do not raise the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam up to being a partner with allah who was worshiped besides allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is a servant he is not to be worshiped the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was a human being just like other human beings he ate he drank he slept he cried he was injured he died sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was a human being and he had human experiences so with him being a human being and him having limitations of a human being he's not to be worshiped the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam does not know everything only allah knows everything the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was praying salatul dhuhr wa asr and he prayed two rak'ahs and made taslim and then after the salah he sat there like this with his cheek inside of his palm as if something was wrong something wasn't right some of the companions they got up and walked away but dhul yadayn radiyallahu an he said, O Messenger of Allah, was the salah shortened or did you forget? The Prophet ﷺ said, the salah was not shortened and I did not forget. Dhul Yadain, he said, rather you forgot. No, no, it was in Medina. 
Once he confirmed that the salat wasn't shortened, then he knew it wasn't from Allah Because this is still the time of legislation. Perhaps Allah made the salat to go back to what it originally was, two rakahs. In the beginning in Mecca, Dhuhr Asr was two rakah. And then when they arrived to Medina, it was increased to four. Likewise, Salat al-Isha. Dhuhr, Asr, and Isha were all two rakah. And when they got to Medina, it was increased to four. So possibly, it went back to being two. So he asked them, was the Salat decreased? Meaning that Allah sent revelation to decrease the number of rakah because you pray two rakah. So when the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Salat was not decreased, nor did I forget, Dhuliyadain said, rather you forgot. And the Prophet Sallallahu he asked the companions who were sitting there, is what he's saying correct? They said, yes. He got up, prayed two extra raka'ah, taslim, and then prostrated twice, and then taslimed out again. Okay, he forgot. But what does Allah say about himself? Allah says, and your Lord is not forgetful. Your Lord is not forgetful. <coughs> Your Lord is not. Allah, He doesn't forget. Allah, Your Lord is not forgetful. Meaning, Allah, Your Lord doesn't forget. Here, Prophet Muhammad forgot, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the Salat. Because He's a human being. As for Allah, Allah never forgets. So, this is a clear. Proof that Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is not Allah and Allah is not Prophet Muhammad. So Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is not to be worshipped. And also we say he is the messenger, he's not to be disobeyed. Yes, he's a human being, but he is special from the aspect that Allah sent revelation to him to guide the people. And it is not for the people to disobey him and to challenge him and to oppose him. Allah Azza wa Jal, he mentions, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ رَسُولِ And we have not sent a messenger except to be obeyed by the permission of Allah. Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions, "Wa Rasul, Allah." And whoever obeys the messenger has obeyed Allah. So obeying the Prophet وسلم, is obeying Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. In what raka? He didn't make tashahud, he stood straight up, you follow him. Now once he goes all the way up, he cannot come back down. But if you can catch him before he stands all the way up, then he can go back down. But if he stood all the way up, he cannot return back. The people have to stand up with him. But if it's a fourth raka'ah, and he is standing up to go to a fifth, you don't stand. You say subhanAllah until he figures out what happened and he returns. If he doesn't, you just wait until he goes through everything. And then when he tests him out, you test him and then you inform him. You, you add an Iraqah. No, you cannot go with him. in. A, yes, because 
you know he's going he's standing adding a raka you cannot intentionally add inshallah <laughs> but the uh, the shahid or the point the prophet sallallahu alaihi is entitled to obedience ya ayyuhalladhina amanu ati'ullaha wa ati'ur rasul all you who believe obey allah and obey the messenger one cannot treat the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, as if he's an average man on the street that you can debate and argue with. You can take what he says, or if you don't want to take it, you don't have to take it. No. Allah says, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولِ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَأُوهُ And whatever the messenger gives you, then take it. And whatever the messenger forbids you from, then leave it off. Allah Azza wa Jal he mentions وَمَن يُشَاقِكِ الرَّسُولِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَّبِعْ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّ وَنُسْلِهِ جَهَنَّمُ وَسَعَدْ مَصِيرًا Whoever opposes the messenger after the guidance has been made clear and he follows a way other than the way of the believers he would turn him to what he turned himself to and we would burn him in hell with an evil abode look at the man the Prophet ﷺ commanded him to eat with his left, to eat with his right hand, for he was eating with his left hand. And he said, "Ma astati'." Or la astati'. And the Prophet said, "Mustata'." You don't, you won't have the ability. And his hand became paralyzed, and he was not able to raise his hand up to his mouth again for being arrogant and opposing the commandment of the Prophet ﷺ. Opposing the Prophet is not, a, is not a joke. It's not a light matter. And some people take this affair to be a light matter. The sunnah is guidance from Allah. It is revelation from Allah for mankind. Whether it is a matter that is obligatory and even that which is recommended. The sunnah is guidance. The sunnah is hikmah. The sunnah is described as being hikmah in the book of Allah. لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعْثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَإِنْ كَانُوا مِنْ قَبُلْ لَفِي ضُلَالٍ مُبِينٍ And Allah has favored the believers when He sent amongst them a messenger from themselves reciting to them His verses and purifying them and teaching them the book and the wisdom. الْحِكْمَةِ يَنِي أَسْسُنَّةِ Prophet Sallallahu he mentioned Allah inni utitul kitab wa mithlahu ma'a Indeed, I have been given the book and it's like along with it So the sunnah is revelation from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala So one should not take light opposing the revelation Even if it is a matter that is recommended Don't downplay the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Not from the obligatory matters or the recommended matters Rather we must view that the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is guidance, it is wisdom, and it is the and it is the best of the guidance. We find some of the people, they are far away from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, inwardly and outwardly. They abandon following the Prophet ﷺ. They do not have a desire to follow him, and the Prophet ﷺ. He made a statement that shows the seriousness of desiring other than his way. 
three men came to the wives of the Prophet ﷺ asking about his ibadah. And when they were informed, it was as if it wasn't a lot. And they, they looked at it as it's not being a lot of things. And so one of them, is, they, they viewed that they have to do more. Because the Prophet ﷺ was forgiven for his past and future sins, so he doesn't have to do much. But being that they are not forgiven for their past and future sins, they have to do more than what the Prophet is doing. So one of them he said, or another one said, another one said, one said, As for me, I'm going to fast every day and I'm not going to break my fast, meaning he's going to fast every day of the year. He's not going to take a day off from fasting. Another one said, as for me, I'm going to pray the entire night and I'm not going to sleep at night. And the third one, he said, and as for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to marry a woman. I'm just, I mean, I'm just going to dedicate myself to ibadah. I'm not going to get married because you know, women can divert a person away from ibadah. So the person said, I'm not going to get married. I'm just going to, basically, I'm focusing on my ibadah. When, when this news reached the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he came and asked them, Antumun ladina kultum kada wa kada, are you the ones who said such and such and such and such? And they said, Yes. The Prophet sallallahu he said, Amma wallahi inni wa lillah. I swear by Allah, I have the most fear of Allah based upon knowledge than all of you, and I have the most piety than all of you. He said, however, I fast some days and I break my fast some days. I pray at night and I sleep during the night and I marry woman. So therefore, whoever desires other than my sunnah, he's not from me. This is a stern warning for having a desire for a sunnah or a way other than the way of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He mentioned That there is going to come a time When a person will be reclining On his couch And he says Yatihi al-amr min amri Mimma amartu bihi Aw nahaytu an fayakool لا ندري ما وجدنا في كتاب الله So the Prophet says, a commandment of mine will come to him from that which I have commanded with or that which I have prohibited. And then the person is going to say, I don't know about that. Meaning something of the sunnah reaches a person and then the person says, I don't know about that. Whatever we find in the book of Allah, that's what we follow. As if the Quran doesn't command you to follow the Prophet. But this is deviance. And this is negligence. That when something of the Sunnah comes to a person, the person says, I don't know about the hadith. What does Allah say in the Quran? Allah says in the Quran, obey the messenger. That's what Allah says in the Quran. 
Allah says in the Quran, whatever the messenger gives you, take it. And whatever he forbids you from, leave it off. That's what Allah says in the Quran. Allah says in the Quran, don't put yourself before the messenger of Allah. That's what Allah says in the Quran. So people try to use the Quran to not follow the Sunnah when in the Quran there is the commandment of following the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is from the examples of negligence that you find with the people. When the authentic narrations reach them, they turn away from them and they turn to the Quran as if there is justification in the Quran to abandon the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions Ya ayyuhal ladhina aminu la tarfa'u aswatakum fawqa sawtin nabi wa la tajaharu lahu bil qawlika jahri ba'dikum li ba'd all you who believe, do not raise your voices above the voice of the Prophet. And do not speak to him in a loud manner as you speak to one another. The ulama, they say, this is Allah Azawajal cultivating the ummah upon having adab, having mannerisms with the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And this is when he was alive and even after his death. Because the Quran is still relevant Even after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, This rule is still in place Don't raise your voice above the voice of The Prophet ﷺ. And some ulama Whenever they would hear The sunnah being mentioned Or the authentic narrations being mentioned They would remain silent And they would not speak Over the one who was saying Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Out of having adab For the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Even after his death <laughs> The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He is the one who taught us how to properly worship Allah Azawajal. The Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sallu usalli. Pray the way you see me pray. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned, Man tawadda'a bi wudu'i hada. Whoever makes wudu like this wudu of minds. The Prophet Sallallahu said Khudu anni manasikakum Take from me the rituals of how to make the hajj and umrah So we find in these texts the Prophet directing us To worship Allah the way he worships Allah And this is the main point of the shahada That Muhammad Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam We believe he's the messenger, Allah sent him with the message But this means that We're going to worship Allah The way he worshipped Allah Very important Not worship Allah How you want to worship Allah You make up your own way of fasting You make up your own way of making salat You make up your own practices in hajj And other than that You pay the zakat how you want to pay the zakat And the amount you want to give you give No, no, no 
the ibadah, the origin of ibadah is al-mani' prohibition. Until we find something or have something from Prophet Muhammad sallallahu we cannot do anything as it relates to ibadah until we have what the Prophet sallallahu did as it relates to this matter of worship. That is the origin. For someone to come about with a new practice, a new act of ibadah that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu did not worship Allah with, he did not teach us to worship Allah with, then this is al-bid'ah fiddeen, innovation in the religion. And the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, Alaykum, or Man Ya'ish Minkum Ba'di, Fasayara Ikhtilafin Kithira. Whoever lives after my death, you will see a lot of differing. Fa'alaykum bi sunnati wa sunnati al Khulafa al Rashidin al Mahdiyin, Min Ba'di, Abdu Aleha bin Nawajid, wa Iyakum Muhdatat al Umur. Fa'enna kulla Muhdatatin bid'ah, wa kulla bid'atin dolala. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, whoever from amongst you lives after me, he will see a lot of differing. So upon him is holding to my way. This is the point. Holding to the way of the Prophet ﷺ. Worshipping how Prophet Muhammad worshipped, ﷺ, believing how Prophet Muhammad believed, ﷺ. The Prophet said, upon you is following my way, in the way of the rightly guided, Khulafa. And he, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, because these companions, they were the best of the companions after the Prophet Wasallam, and they upheld his sunnah. They were the ones who upheld the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. The Prophet said, bite on to it with your mole teeth, and the teeth in the back, meaning to have a strong grip. Abdu alayha bin nawajid, bite on to, the, to, on to it with your mole teeth, and these teeth that are in the back. Because when you bite onto something with the teeth in the back, you have more of a, a grip on it. Right? It's not easy for somebody to just. <coughs> yes, right, jerk it out your mouth. Instead of like, put it right here, it's easy to just snatch it. I mean, your teeth may come out with it, right? <laughs> it's not. Right, the back is very stronger. Right? It's, you, you bite somebody here, they may be pull their finger out easy, but you bite, get somebody finger all in the back and you, you bite down. Very hard to get out, very hard. So the Prophet gave this uh, analogy or this statement, bite on to it, meaning his sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly uh, guided khulafa, bite on to it with your molar teeth. Hold on to it, meaning don't let it go. And be aware of the newly invented matters in the religion, for every newly invented matter in the religion is innovation. Look at the companions who wanted to do more. And of course, they had good intentions. The one who said, I'm going to uh, fast every day and not break my fast. The other one said, I'm going to pray all night and not sleep. And the third one said, I'm not going to marry a woman and I'm just going to focus on worship. These three companions had good intentions. Wallahi, they had good intentions. We don't think anything bad about the Sahaba. They had good intentions and they meant well. But the Prophet still corrected them because this was not the way. This was not what he taught them. The Prophet didn't teach us وسلم, to fast every single day. The Prophet وسلم, did not teach us to pray all night and don't sleep at night. The Prophet did not teach us وسلم, don't marry women and just focus on worship. 
The Prophet didn't teach us that. So even though these companions had good intentions and they wanted to do more to get closer to Allah, this wasn't the teachings of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu so he corrected them and informed them that whoever desires other than my way, he's not from me. Aisha radiallahu anha, she mentions that the Prophet sallallahu mentioned, "Man ahdatha fi amrina hada ma laysa minhu and another wording, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُنَا فَهُوَ رَدٌ That whoever introduces something into this fear, meaning a person makes up something and then attributes it to Islam. Whoever makes, whether it is a matter of worship, from statements or actions, or whether it is a matter of belief, whoever makes up something in a religion, or makes up an affair and then says, this is, this is Islam. Or this is the Sunnah. This is what we're supposed to be doing as Muslims. But it is not from Islam. It's rejected. It's rejected. And the Prophet ﷺ said, in another wording, whoever does an action that is not governed by Islam, it is rejected. So one is not allowed to add anything to the deen. And one is not allowed to practice anything that has been added to the deen. And this shows that there is a strict policy in Islam, no innovation in the religion. No compromising in, in, this, in this affair. Yes. For sure. A person is threatened with punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The going back to the eye, when you shakik your rasul, when badi mata bayana lahul huda, we get a bit higher severe mutmini, nuwali he mata walla, when you see he jahannam was sad mosira. That whoever opposes the messenger after guidance has been made clear to him, and he follows a way other than the way of the believers, meaning the Sahaba, we will turn him to what he turned himself to and burn him in hell with an evil abode. Uh, Allah Azawajali mentions. فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةً وَيُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ عَلِيمٌ Let them be warned, whoever opposes his command, meaning the commandment of Prophet Muhammad وسلم, that some fitna will befall them or a painful torment will befall them. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, وَسَتَفْتَرِكُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّ عَلَى ثَلَاثٍ وَسَبِعِينَ فِرْقَ كُلُّهَا فِي النَّارِ إِلَّا وَاحِدَ قَالُوا مَا هِيَ تِلْكَ الْفِرْقَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ قَالَ مَنْ كَانَ عَلَى مَا أَنَا عَلَيْهِ الْيَوْمُ وَأَصْحَابِهِ وَفِي رِوَايَ قَالَ لِجَمَعَةِ The Prophet ﷺ said this ummah will split into 73 groups, all of them in the hellfire, except for one. They said, which group is this? He said, those who are following with me and my companions are on today. Another narration mentions the jama'ah. These groups, these other 72 groups, these groups are groups of, of innovation. They're Muslims. But they uh, have fallen into innovation, innovative things into the religion. So there's a threat of punishment in the hellfire for adding something to the religion and practicing that which has been added to the religion. Also, uh, no, this is something different. That's uh, the, the branches of faith. That's from good things. These are from things that are already legislated in the Quran or legislated in the Sunnah. As for the innovation, these are things that people are making up. 
and putting into the religion and people are practicing that have been made up and it does not go back to Allah it does not go back to Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so the Prophet is warning uh, against this affair as the Prophet said uh, as to what follows, the most truthful speech is the book of Allah, the best guidance is the guidance of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the most evil of the affairs are the newly invented matters in the deen. And every newly invented matter in the deen is innovation, every innovation is going astray, every going astray is in the hellfire. On Yom Qiyamah, when the people are resurrected and the Muslims will go to the, the hawb, the pond of the Prophet and drink and there will be cups around the pond as many as the stars are in the heavens and whoever drinks from the hawb of the Prophet will never be thirsty again but then there will be some Muslims who will go to drink and then the angels will come and push them away <coughs> And the Prophet Sallallahu he would say, Ummati, Ummati, no, these are, these are from my Ummah, like leave them, let them drink. And the angels will say to the Prophet Sallallahu Innaka la tadri ma ahdathu ba'dak or ma baddalu ba'dak. You don't know what they changed after you, meaning other religion. Or you don't know what they made up new into the religion after you die. You don't know. So the Prophet وسلم, he would say, Suhkan, Suhkan liman baddala. Away, away with those who have changed the religion after my death. It's the punishment. So you have some that say, but there is a such thing as good bid'ah in the deen. There is no such thing as good bid'ah in the deen when the Prophet said, Kulla bid'atin dolala, or innovation is misguidance. The celebration of the Prophet's birthday. Yes, it is bid'ah because number one, the Prophet don't celebrate his birthday ever. Then this is something different that a person is doing something out of ignorance. Rabbana la tu'akhidna in nasina o akhta'ana. Oh, our Lord, forgive us if we uh, forget or we make a mistake. Allah said, Qad fa'alt, I have done so. So if a Muslim is doing something of innovation, he doesn't know. Then he's excused. But now those who know better, this this matter of celebrating the Prophet's birthday came hundreds of years after the Prophet's death, وسلم, and it was introduced by the Fatimiyya dynasty. You know who were trying to compete with the Christians. So the ruler at that time, he established the celebration of Prophet Muhammad's birthday, وسلم, the celebration of. Fatima's birthday, radiallahu anha, the celebration of Ali's birthday, radiallahu an, the celebration of the birthday of Al Hassan and Al Hussein, radiallahu anhuma, and then the celebration of his own birthday. He was the Khalifa at the time. This is from the Fatimiyya dynasty. No one from the Sahaba celebrated the birthday of the Prophet. Perhaps someone say, but the Prophet, he, when asked why is he fasting on Monday, he said it's the day he was born on. <laughs> 
Isn't this not a celebration? We would say to them, then do what the Prophet did. Fast on Mondays. Fast on Mondays. Why this big gathering in the masjid and the lights and the cakes and the candy and the like a party? Okay, the Prophet fasted on Mondays. Fast on and don't just fast one Monday. And the Prophet didn't just fast one Monday. He fasted Mondays. No, we know he fasted Monday, but when he was asked about Monday, he said, "This is the day I was born on." It was it was an act of gratitude. He was showing gratitude to Allah for giving him giving him life. You understand? Not so much so to celebrate the actual day. I was born on a Monday. I fast on Mondays. So, okay, if we want to say that this was a celebration, okay, then do what he did, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He fasted on Mondays. The Sahaba, they fasted on Mondays, along with the Thursdays. But they fasted on Mondays. Then do that. When do you find Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu on the Prophet's birthday sitting in the masjid talking about the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu These are Nuni Vintimadas in the deen. So some say as one of the brothers he was upset with the khutbah and he said to me after the khutbah there's good innovation. And I said to him but the Prophet said every innovation is misguidance. <laughs> no such yeah, no such thing as a good sin, a good act of disobedience, right? Allah, it may have felt good, but it's not good with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And and to be fair, there's proof that those who say there's good innovation in the deen that they use, from the proofs is the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Islam Sunnatun Hasana. Whoever sets a good precedence in Al-Islam And for him is the reward And the reward of the one who does it Without taking away from his reward So they say, see, look The Prophet said Sunnatan hasana And he means bid'ah hasana We say in response Meaning the scholars This is what they say we, The scholars, they say We say in response That if you look at the story Surrounding the hadith Go back to that It's very important don't just take a text and then understand it the way you want to understand. This is why it's important to know the asbab of or the reasons why Allah said things in the Quran. Because this gives you a better understanding. The reasons why things the Prophet said or did. What are the, what are the surrounding circumstances? A group of companions came to the Prophet wasallam. They were very poor. Very poor. Their weapons were hanging around their necks. Their clothing was very shabby. They were barely clothed. And the Prophet seen his companions, these companions who came to him in this state, and it bothered him. So the Prophet wasallam, he gave an admonition to the people about doing good and looking out for their brothers. So the people started to give money. So then one companion came with like two big like bags of, of wealth and he put it down. And when the people seen him do that, people started giving more. So then the Prophet said, Man sanna fil Islam sunnatan hasana falahu ajruhu wa ajru man fa'alahu bighayri an yankus min ajrihi o kemakala sallallahu Whoever sets a good precedence in Islam, okay. Giving sadaqah to the poor Is that something new in Islam Or is that something legislated It's legislated 
So how can a person use that statement of the Prophet in which he is talking about something that's already legislated to say there's good bid'ah on the deen? The other thing that they use is the statement of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. Umar ibn Khattab in his Khilafah, the people used to pray the Qiyamul Layl in Ramadan separately or Taraweeh separately. So if you come into the masjid, you see a group of people over here, a group of people over there, maybe one person by himself over here like that. So Umar gathered the people together behind one imam. And then the people prayed behind one imam and they were not separated anymore. And Umar, he said, Ni'mal bid'ah hadihi. This is a good bid'ah. So the people say, see, look, good bid'ah in the deen. Okay, so the question is, as the scholars say, we say to them, Qiyamul Layl in Ramadan, in the nights of Ramadan, or Taraweeh in Ramadan is legislated. The Prophet wasallam, he did it. He came out one night, he was praying, the people got behind him and prayed. In the morning, people were talking about it. The Prophet prayed last night in the Masjid. So the next night, more people came out. The Prophet led them in prayer. The third night, he don't come out. Or he came out the third night, and then the fourth night, he don't come out. Then the next day, the Prophet came, he said, perhaps you were waiting for me last night in the masjid. They said, yes. He said, I did not come out intentionally because I feared that Allah will make it obligatory upon you to do this every night in Ramadan and you won't have the ability to do this. So that's why the Prophet stopped, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the Prophet did, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So there's no fear now of it becoming obligatory. Because once the Prophet died, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that's it, no more revelation. No new rules. Every, the, the deen is complete. Right? Al-yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa itimimtu ma'alaykum ni'mati wa raditu lakum islam adina. This day I have completed for you your religion. And I have perfected my favor upon you and I have chosen for you Islam as your religion. Okay, so once Prophet Muhammad dies, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there is no fear of praying tarawih behind an imam becoming obligatory upon the Muslims. It's impossible for that to happen. So when the Prophet dies, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the Khilafah of Abu Bakr, the people pray separately. And also in the Khilafah of Umar in the beginning, the people prayed separately. And then he gathered them together behind one Imam. So what did he mean by this is a good bid'ah? Meaning this is a good thing that we have started to do. Again, because bid'ah, and from the linguistic meaning of bid'ah, is something new that wasn't done. So in his khilafah, it wasn't done, and likewise, it wasn't done in the khilafah of Abu Bakr. So now they're starting it. So it's something new that they started, although the original precedence is set with Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wasallam. So this is not good bid'ah from the aspect of Bid'ah and Nadeen, but when he used the word Bid'ah, he was talking from the linguistic meaning of Bid'ah, meaning this is something new we're starting in the religion. Not me, not the religion, excuse me, during his Khilafah. 
As for it being something new in the religion, it's not new in the religion because Prophet Muhammad did it, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So these are the two main proofs that the people who say there's good bid'ah in the deen. That uh, and the responses to him, yes. So, uh, like uh, uh, yes. He just renewed it, the practice yeah, of it. He renewed the practice so of it. Now, I was talking about the same topic with, with uh, somebody. And he said, what about the Christians when they invented Rabbani? So, is that... The Christians when they invented? Rabbaniya. Rabbaniya? Oh, Rabbaniya. Ah. So, he said, this is a good bidah because Allah agreed it with them. So... The Prophet first, Barakallah Fikum, we understand the religion how Prophet Muhammad understood the religion. Did Prophet Muhammad understand that there's good innovation in the religion? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Even let's just say for argument's sake, that was something that the people of the past did and Allah approved of it. Let's just say for argument's sake. Like as an example from the previous nations. It used to be allowed to prostrate to people. Like in the story of Yusuf right? His mother, his father, and his brothers, they prostrated to him. But can we do that now? The Prophet he mentioned, if I was to command someone to prostrate to other than Allah, I would command a woman to prostrate to her husband due to his great right over her. But it's not allowed for us to prostrate to anyone, even out of respect. And this is what was done from the parents of Yusuf and the brothers. This prostration was not a prostration of ibadah. This was a prostration of any ikram, to, to honor someone. But that's not allowed in our in our legislation that's mansukh that's abrogated so one cannot use something that possibly was from the previous nations when the, it's clearly the matter is prohibited in our uh, nation from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam i give you i give you an example another example <laughs> before it was allowed for a brother to marry his sister in, in the time of adam alayhi salam this is how the world got populated. When Adam, his wife would give birth, she would give birth to twins, a boy and a girl. And then she would give birth again, a boy and a girl. The boy from the first set marries the girl from the second set. And the boy from the second set marries the girl from the first. And this is why you had the killing between the brothers over the jealousy over the sister. Also after that, Yaqub he was married to two blood sisters at the same time. It's not allowed. A man cannot combine between a woman and her sister and a woman and her aunt. This is prohibited. So this is to go to show you may have matters that were practiced by the previous nations that is no longer a practice with us. So one has to look at what did Prophet Muhammad say about this affair and not say what the previous nations did. Because with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam coming, what he said? 
when Umar bin Khattab he came with the the pages from the Torah, and the Prophet said, Al Mutahawik Ya Ibn al Khattab, you, you have doubt, O son of Khattab? Wallahi law kana ahi Musa Hayin, ma wasi'ahu illa anya tabi'ani. I swear by Allah, if my brother Musa was alive, it would not be fit him to do anything except follow me. Same thing, when Isa comes back, he's coming back as a follower, not someone bringing legislation. So one cannot use, and this is for argument's sake, that that means that one cannot use something that was allowed by the, for the previous nations, right? And then apply it to this nation. They, the previous nations didn't have tayammu. We have Tayammu. The previous nations, they only can pray in the places that were built for ibadah. For us, the Prophet said, This is a different rule, different legislation. The Prophet said, Every innovation is misguidance, all misguidance is in the hellfire. So no one can use an act from the previous nations and say, Oh, it, it's applicable in this deen unless it has been approved of. Example, the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned the story of the three men who went into the cave because of the rain, the inclement weather. And then Allah decreed that the boulder trapped them inside the cave. And then they, one of them said, nothing will save us except for a deed we did for the sake of Allah. So one man mentioned his parents, and how he would not feed his family and his servants before he fed his parents. And then when he came, his parents were sleeping. And he waited by their side until morning. And then he gave them the food. Oh Allah, if I did this for your sake, relieve us. The boulder moved a little bit. The next man, he said, I hired a person. But he left without taking his wages. I took his wages and invested it. He came back after some time. Oh, Fulan, give me my money that you owe me. I said to him, all of that in the valley is yours. He said, don't make mockery. He said, I'm not making mockery. All of it. He said, he took everything and didn't leave anything. Oh Allah, if I did this for your sake, relieve us. The boulder moved a little bit more, but not enough for them to get out. The last man said, oh Allah, I had a, a cousin that was dear to me. And I loved her like a man would love a woman. And I wanted to be with her, but she refused. And then she was in hard times. And I gave her some money in exchange that she sleeps with me. And as I went to go to enter her, she said, Fear Allah and don't break the seal except with his right. He said, I got up and I left her with the money. Oh Allah, if I did this for your sake, relieve us. The boulder moved. These three men were from Bani Israel. But the Prophet mentioning what happened with them is a proof that it is allowed for us to do the same thing. And that is... Make dua to Allah and mention something we did of good in order for Allah to answer the dua. How do we know that we can do that? Because Prophet Muhammad, he mentioned, he mentioned the story. So whatever is from the previous nations and it has been approved of by Quran or Sunnah, we say yes, we practice that. Whatever is an opposition Quran and Sunnah, we don't practice that. Yes, that might have been the law at that time, and it was guidance at that time, but it's not the law anymore. An example. If impurities got on their garments, the people of the past, they had to take scissors or something to cut that portion of their garment off. 
Do we have to do that? What do we do? Just wash it off. Some ulama mentioned, even if it got on their skin, some of this was the harshest put on them. They had to remove that portion of their skin off of their bodies. It's not our legislation. So one can't just unrestrictedly mention, well, the people of the past, they did this. The people, there are many things the people of the past did because that was the legislation at that time. Or it could have been a matter that Allah Azawajal placed upon them as a punishment for them, for them putting the matter on themselves. But the rules and regulations of the past, we do not follow them unrestrictedly. We follow that which has been approved of. Another example, the story of Juraj, the monk that was praying. And his mother called him, Ya Juraj. He said, Ya Rabbi, Ummi wa Salati. Oh my Lord, my mother, oh my prayer. He kept praying. Ya Juraj, Ya Rabbi, Ummi wa Salati. Oh my Lord, my mother, oh my Salat. Ya Juraj, third time. Oh my Lord, my mother, oh my Salat. He stayed in the Salat. She made dua against him. Allahumma la tamithu hatta yandur fi wujuhil mumisat. Oh Allah, don't allow him to die until he looks in the faces of prostitutes. So the people wanted to test Juraj or put him into a, a scandal. So the woman said, I'll do it. So she went to have relations with him. He re, like, re, rejected her. So she wouldn't slept with a shepherd and got pregnant. Then when she got pregnant and she, she come, she said, this is Jurej, baby. Jurej got me pregnant. <laughs> so they didn't have Maury. The Maury back in those days where they do the, the testing. You are the father, you're not the father. She said, Jurej got me pregnant. So they went and tore down his monastery. They was beating him up, everything. Like, you're a fraud. You're playing like you're this righteous man and you commit zina and get this woman pregnant. So she has the baby. So they come, Juraj, he go make, as he's passing by, they, they, they dragging him through the town. He looks and there's some prostitutes. And he looks and he's, he remembered the dua of his mother. No, he was worship. He was a monk. He was a worshiper. His mother. He was a worship. He was. He, that's what he said. My Lord, my mother, my prayer. He viewed it. He's worshiping Allah. He's a monk. He, he's dedicated to the worship. I can. I'll get to my mother later. So as they're taking him through the town and beating him, he looks and he sees the, the the prostitutes. He remembers the dua of his mother. So when they get him to the lady, he goes make wudu, and he prays, and then he says to the baby, "Men abuk, who's your father? Who's your daddy?" And the baby said, "The shepherd." <laughs> baby said, "The shepherd." So then, this is one of the babies that spoke. This is one of the the uh, the emphasis that spoke in emphasy, along with Isa salam and the other baby from the. Um, the people of the trench. Yeah. So the point is that then they went and said, Oh, Juraj, we're sorry, we'll build your monastery back. We're gonna make it out of gold and whatever. He said, No, just just put it back the way it was. What's the point here? Respect for the mother. And that the mother, if she calls you, you have to respond to her, and that takes precedence over the Nafila Salat. So if you're praying like 
tahajjud and your mother calls you, you, you go answer her. Leave, stop the salat and go answer your mother. You understand? So that's the benefit. That, so that's applicable. That's applicable. But as for those things that have been abrogated or those things that oppose what we have in the Quran and the Sunnah, then it cannot be used as a proof. Wallahu a'lam. Yes. Take your children out of the public schools and put them in Muslim schools. Take your children out of public school and homeschool them. Homeschool. Homeschool. So we ought to make sacrifices for our children. No, no, I know. I, I understand where you're going, Sheikh, but I put that out there so that for, for us as a reminder. I understand, Sheikh, but the reason why I said that as a reminder <laughs> to us the dangers of our children being in these public schools. It's very dangerous. These public schools, especially now with these new laws and rules and these new things that they're implementing, it strips a child of his deen. Wallahi, it strips it. I went to Catholic school for eight years. Right? And definitely there were certain things that they would not ever teach in Catholic school. It was prohibited. And even in the public schools back then, they would never... Now they're teaching our children immorality and to accept immorality. And other than that, and other than that, those public schools are dangerous. So to protect one's child, because you're responsible. All of you are shepherds and all of you are responsible for your flocks. The man is a shepherd in his family. He's responsible for the flock. The woman is a shepherdess in the house of her husband and over his children. She's responsible for her flock. So we have to make efforts, right, to protect our children. Here it is, we find some of the parents, the fathers, they work overtime, right, for dunyawi things. But you won't work overtime to make up the extra money to pay for your children to go to Islamic school monthly. But you work overtime for the big screen TV, you work overtime for the new car, you work overtime to try to get another house or a new apartment. You work overtime for all of these dunya things, but no overtime for the, the soul of your children. Where are the priorities? Okay, if our women are at home, Okay, you working hard, and mashallah, you a man, alhamdulillah, you implementing that, and your wife is at home, she doesn't have to work, tayyib, then why she's not educating the children at home? If she doesn't know how to, then let her get in contact with, I'm going to get to you, Sheikh, this is very important, I'm mentioning this. If she doesn't know how to, then let her contact sisters in the community who know how to, and let them network together so that we protect our children. We have to do something. We can't just say, well, I don't have the money to pay for Islamic school, so I send them to the public school. And then you wonder, or we wonder why, our children are coming home the way they're coming home. And we, you know, they don't want to go to the masjid. All they want to do is, is, is play on the video games and watch TV. Or We wonder, because of the influence of the other children. Because that's what the other children are doing. So we have to make an effort. Now, 
we don't no we don't do this as an alternative of celebrating their holidays there's nothing wrong with children doing projects and the likes or making up nice things okay that's sign but as for they have Christmas we're not going to do the Christmas thing but we're going to do something an Islamic thing on Christmas because it's Christmas no you understand because now I was like okay we're not going to say Santa Claus or put up Christmas tree but we're going to put up a Kaaba in the house during the time and put lights on it no no first of all we shouldn't be putting up no fake Kaabas anyways only one Kaaba <laughs> only one Kaaba and I'm just saying because this, this is right we don't do that stuff I mean, like the children, this is they doing project work, so they're making something arts and craft. This is fine. But not as the alternative to the holiday, so we're going to have our own celebration. No, 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 no. Our, our celebration is Eid al-Adha, Eid al-Fitr. These are our Eids. I'll be loud. We do fun things for them on the Eids. And, you know, give them presents if that's what we want to do for the Eid. This is allowed. You know, give them, uh, you know, buy them new clothes. Give them, you know, this is a happy occasion, happy time. This, this is, these are our celebrations. When the Prophet came to Medina, he found the, the Ansar celebrating two days. The Prophet said, what are these two days? They said, We used to you know, celebrate these days, these two days in Jahiliya. The Prophet said, Leave them. Leave them because Allah has exchanged them for two days that are better than them. Al-Adha wal-Fitra. Al-Adha wal-Fitra. These are our days. And we have to, you know, get our children accustomed to taking pride in their Islamic heritage. And when I say taking pride, not the, the prohibited pride, like arrogance and looking down. Not that type of pride. Pride meaning being, being happy to be a Muslim. Happy of your Islamic heritage. Follow. Why? Why do we have to be ashamed of our Islam? We have the truth. Allah, this is the haq. This is the deen of Allah Azza We have nothing to be ashamed of. Rather, we should be happy and outgoing with our Islam. Here it is: individuals living an immoral life, and they're coming out the closet. We hiding in the closet. We should be out the closet with Islam. What are we hiding in the closet for? These the, the disbelievers with their disbelief and their evil, they coming out of the closet. They don't have no shame in what they're doing. Why do we have to have shame and we're doing something good? Why do we have to have shame in praying five times a day? We don't want to pray on the job because we are scared that people are going to know we're Muslims. Why are we hiding our Islam for? We're not hurting nobody praying five times a day. Why are we hiding our Islam? Why are we hiding the fact that we are Muslims? We're being on jobs and people don't even know nothing about Islam because we're hiding our Islam. We're in the closet with our Islam. But someone saw over there, he's out the closet with his immorality. But you're in the closet with your truth. Can okay. we, we have to have we have to have pride in our Islamic heritage. Allah guided us, Allah Azawajal favored us. We share this with with the people. And until we start coming out and sharing Islam with the people, then we leave the explanation of what Islam is. We leave the narrative to the people who don't like Islam. And they're not going to give us no good report and no fair report. These individuals are going to distort the deen. They're going to say bad things about the deen, right? Most of them. Because we're quiet. 
We're going to leave it up to those who are not Muslims to explain to the people what Islam is. That's our job. So we have to do, we have to do what we're supposed to do. Everyone to, according to one's ability. And, this, and, and, and you don't have to, every time you see the people, you push in Islam. No, just your manner. But the people know you're Muslim. You're praying. People seeing how you interact. This is also dawah. Your behavior. This is dawah also. Don't hide. Don't hide. You know, and protect your children. Protect your children. We have to make we make sacrifices for everything else. Person want to go on vacation to Paris. He works overtime. He ain't make hard yet, but he going to Paris. Right? Come on. We had a sacrifice for the deen. For our children. Oh, you who believe, save yourself and your families from the fire. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, shahadu wa la ilaha 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 ila